Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. We are back for the second part of our disassociation talk today. And I have with me two of my favorite coworkers, Crystal and Marcy, and they're here today to help guide me and to help guide you guys on the other end, listening out there, wherever you may be, to understand now that I have this awareness that I maybe disassociate, oh my gosh, what do I do about that? How can I work my way back into presence centered and all things like that? So welcome, Marcy. Welcome, Crystal. Oh, I'm waiting because this is on on audio. <laughs> but I'm yeah. waiting. I know. It's like, thank God people can't. Uh, and I've always talked about maybe next season having the YouTube channel with the actual as well as, you know, the podcast, but then I'd actually have to be presentable looking and not wear pajamas sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, I do want to say before we get started that I am home today and there could be a dog barking. So just <laughs> go ahead and get that out of the way. <laughs> and I'm not at home. So uh, we won't be hearing my dog attack <laughs> the mailman. <laughs> Good old Prince last time. Yeah. He's a good boy. Well, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I I brought with me some things that um, people have said about what, how it feels to dissociate. Ooh, okay. Um, Some quotes. So, um, so I'll just, you mean just ramble those off? Oh, yes. I love it. So it didn't hurt. It didn't happen to me. I don't care that it happened. I don't really remember. It didn't bother me. Um, there's also, it's like you are hot, you are drowning. You can't control your body. You can't see and you can't hear. Other people have said, it's like a part of me that I can never reach or get to. I know it's always there and it can take over my body anytime and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, when I'm gone, I'm gone. I like to I like it there. I'm safe. Um, and the last one I have on here is the voices are always there. They chatter. They decide things for me. They make me say and do things. They tell me who I can and can't trust. And I, I think that's more of like the, the inner dialogue. Um, yeah. So those are some things that people say when they feel um, dissociated or they say when they don't realize they're associated. Like it didn't happen to me. I don't care that it happened. <clears throat> um, I don't really remember. So those are things that people who who use association as like a coping skill. A lot of times, that's the things that they say. Wow. Uh, yeah. Those are powerful. Yeah. Especially the one quote that was along the lines of. Um, it makes me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
wow, just from that polyvagal theory perspective, you know, disassociation is and it resides in that ancient part of our nervous system, that dorsal, where yeah. when something is so overwhelming, the only thing we can do is collapse. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty insightful from that individual. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I, uh, I mean, those are, I, th- I think those are a little more maybe a little more extreme dissociation, but I mean, we all have said, oh, it didn't bother me that much, or it didn't, it didn't hurt, or um, yeah, or those are things I think we do a lot of. Yeah, like when I can actively feel myself disassociating, like if it's a conversation I don't want to be a part of, and not that I'm avoiding a confrontation or anything. It's just like, oh, that conversation doesn't interest me. Or like, I, it kind of feels for me like I'm being pulled down this long tunnel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my eyes don't need to blink at all. They can just stay very frozen. And I can see, but the picture in front of me or whatever I'm looking at is not as clear and focused Mm-hmm. it's more like, like kind of like in star Wars when they go to light speed mm-hmm. and it's that. Yeah. Those lights. Yeah. That's uh, that. It's the way it's, it pulls and it's, it, it elongates. That's kind of the way the, the, yeah. Whatever I'm looking at, whether it's a, a person, a wall, the tree outside of my backyard, my dog, you know, it just elongates for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that happens at my house with my husband when he wants to tell me everything he read that day in the news. <laughs> I've had to set boundaries with him to say, I listen and talk all day and I just need a break because I'll dissociate. I won't even know what, it, what you're saying. I did. My mind just can't concentrate because I've done too much that day. So uh, I like that you said you set boundaries with that. Yeah. What an empowering thing to do is when you know that there's a situation that perhaps will cause you to disassociate more, you go ahead and set that up begin with and put boundaries around it. Yeah. Well, it is, it's not easy because some people take it as an offense because sometimes boundaries People aren't used to getting boundaries. <laughs> They're not used to having setting boundaries or having boundaries set with them. Um, and they can take it personal. But hopefully with communication, you can work that out. But yeah, I have to I have to protect my brain. My job is my brain. Yeah, that's so cool. So Marcy, have you ever experienced yourself disassociating in the moment and what if you have if you're aware of that what did that feel like for you um for me it feels like um really foggy all around um just you know like you can you know that there's these conversations going on around you but you have no idea what's really being said Mm -hmm. And very much very within myself 
in my own thought safety that I've created. Um, and yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like you're on this cloud kind of floating there and then you can kind of see everything, but you're just, you're on your cloud. Yeah. That's neat. I like that way that, that your experiences of that. Yeah. And, you know, Crystal, one of the quotes that you said um, from somebody of what their experience was that it feels comfortable. Like Mm -hmm. it really, for me, when I am disassociating and again, you know, disassociation has so many levels of, of spiciness and, and from just the normal, like every day, it's what we do just because we zone out all the way to the catatonic person who cannot physically move, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, sometimes when I pull myself back into the present, like it, it's, it's kind of like, ah, oh, I don't want to leave that space because it is comfortable. Yeah. Like it really is comfortable. Yeah. And I think, Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's also where your mindset is. Like, so let's say you're having a day where it's just kind of, uh, and, you know, you're more into feeling your feelings that day, and there may not be the most pleasant feelings. It's a lot easier to disassociate and just not kind of deal with anything it's way more comfortable than it is to deal with those feelings yeah um i do have some tips on how to help someone or help yourself um yeah so um these are more related to like a child but i think it's would be perfectly fine with an adult um, some of the things that may help someone who's dissociating would be to use eye contact, um, to use a calm, low, slow voice, or just remember you're creating safety. Um, use their name and remind them that they are safe and where they are. So, for example, Sarah, you're at home. It's me, mom. Um, use gentle, simple grounding questions like, and I'm Sarah, I'm just using that word, Sarah, that name, Sarah, can you tell me where you are? What is your name? How old are you? Which I can see kids that get on that bothering a kid, trigger them. but <laughs> there are ways you can ask those questions without blatantly yeah. saying it out loud. Yeah. Like just instead of questions, you could just say, do you notice where we're at? Um, this says touch, but of course use gentle touch. Um, that would be only with consent, of course. Use potent smell, um, like essential oils. Uh, turn on some music. Give them something to chew or eat or something to drink because you can pay attention to the taste or the, the texture. Um, peppermint's really good for that, I think. Yeah, peppermint or even like real sour stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and take them outside and walk on the grass in bare feet. I mean, that that's one that I like. <laughs> um, or if you have a pet, <coughs> spend time petting the pet, taking care of the pet. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, those are, those are some tips you can use with your kids or with a partner or yourself. 
Those are really, really good tips. Um, I think about the ones that I've used with clients. Um, I've had them take off their shoes in session mm -hmm. yeah. and rub their feet on the carpet. Um, it, you know, when we were at the beginning of the pandemic and we were doing a lot of telehealth, I would have them go outside, take me outside on their phone because that's what most of my clients used was their phone yeah. for telehealth. And so um, we'd orient by the different sounds in the neighborhood, by the texture of the house, mm -hmm. you know, explain to me what does it feel like and, you know, to rub it or, or um, just notice is it cold or is it hot? Yeah. Uh, I bought, this is more for anxiety and for panic attacks, um, but it, it'll fall along with uh, sour is I bought atomic waste mm. candy. Mm. Yeah. And it is way more sour than like um, a warhead or whatever those things are. And it'll zap you into the present moment, like quicker than snot. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we would uh, with my client. We would talk about gross combinations to try, like, mm. and it's a kid, so they're okay with trying gross stuff, you know. So we talked about orange juice and toothpaste. Uh, brush your teeth and then drinking orange juice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, if kids willing to do gross stuff, and a lot of kids are, as far as teeth goes. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know what kid doesn't love mixing all the soda fountain drink combinations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really what I hear you saying, Crystal, is the way we can help ourselves in the moment when we are becoming aware of that we are in the midst of a disassociation moment or going down that tunnel. Right. Our sensory things that help us to come back into the moment, come back into our bodies. Yeah. Lots and lots of grounding. Yeah. You know, I wonder for someone who's home away from home and their nervous system is dorsal, you know, that's where they exist for most of the time. And that's what feels comfortable for them. And if someone's most used coping skill is disassociation in that nervous system state. Um, I wonder if that person might find it exhausting or taxing to try to ground themselves more than say I do. I have a hard time even realizing sometimes if I'm in dissociate, if I'm dissociating or not. Yeah. I mean, it's really something you gotta be self-aware of. Yeah. You know, all of this makes me think, and this is kind of going down a little bit of a different path, but disassociation, you know, in the parts, it's all about that safety and where you feel safety. So 
if we can recreate the safety that the client feels in disassociation as regulated, then that could help them lead towards being able to use all those good coping skills we we give them um, and such. So I think for me, it's trying to figure out what safety means to everybody mm-hmm. and how we can recreate that safety. Yeah, because sometimes our brains get mixed up what's safe and what's not. And yeah, it, it, that's from trauma, I think. I like how, you know, when we did our consult with Terry Trotter last Friday, and this had never really occurred to me until she said this. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But until she said it, I was like, oh. But when she said, when a client is expressing things that are safe and they're not maybe connecting the dots of, oh, that's what safety feels like to name that. (laughs) And I thought about that because I was doing SSP with a client yesterday. And I said, you know, in this moment, I said, my body and my brain feel very safe with you coloring. Mm -hmm. And they turned to me and looked at me and they said, my body feels safe too. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, yeah, let's just, oh, wow, let's just feel that. And we just sat there and colored quietly for another few minutes, you know, um, but I like that idea of naming when maybe a client doesn't realize, oh, that's what safety is embodied. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. You know, I hadn't thought of that until Terry had mentioned that. So I've tried to kind of add that in this week since we just met with her last week. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I was like, Mm -hmm. that makes sense because Hello, Jennifer. Um, you know, with, with trauma, because there is so much uncertainty of what is safe, it, I would think, and it is, as I'm sitting here talking to Sue, it would be really difficult to try to figure out what feels safe. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And so naming it in that moment, and then the nervous system and the brain are working you know, in tandem, like, oh, okay, I get this body, brain tells the body, body, yes, this, this does feel safe. Nervous yeah. system is like, oh, yes, I do feel that is the safe. I don't know. I just kind of imagine, like, these little bitty things inside, you know, just working together, talking, and, oh, yes, oh, yes, it is safe, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some, you don't know what's safe sometimes. I mean, some people's minds and bodies are constantly in that not safe place and you don't even realize it Mm -hmm. well and this is what I think is just so intriguing about our nervous system is it is constantly in neuroception 24 7 so it is constantly surveying the landscape listening seeing smelling and taking all these cues in that's what neuroception is yeah and determining if this is safe or not safe and I could pull up to Kroger's and my body and my nervous system would say, no, this is not safe to go into Kroger's. Mm -hmm. I have no clue why. Yeah. 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 But I listen to it and I drive off. I'll come back later or another day. And let's say I come back two days later and my body's like, 
Yes, the nervous system says, yes, it is safe to go into progress today. Is it? To me, that's just, it's wild how our nervous system. So even things that could normally be safe for us could also be unsafe at times. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to remember with trauma is we have no idea what someone else's unsafe things are. Yeah. And what their brain is telling them unsafe. And so having that open conversation of, yes, this is, this feels safe. You know, even Terry had mentioned last week, you know, even of discussing with your client, you know, is there something in my office that is displeasing mm-hmm. to your nervous system? Yeah. Is there something that, you know, makes you not feel as safe, you know, and then, and, and going over exit strategies. If you need to leave, this is what you need to do. Yeah. I think all of that was, I mean, you know, it, it was like light bulbs. It was like, yeah. yes, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know? And that's what disassociation is. Something is not safe. And so that's what we do. Our brains and our nervous system, they just go somewhere else in that moment. Yeah. Crystal, I don't know if it was you or Marcy. Who mentioned essential oils? Uh, I've used that with my client for sure. Yeah. What are, because there's so many out there, right? Well, I mean, actually not. There's only a finite amount of smells like that are essential oils. But have you found that maybe some smells are more potent for clients than others. I'm wondering if you have, Marcy, you, you too, if you've had that experience, could you share what some of those essential oils smells might be more potent to help bring somebody back into their body? Well, I think what's the most potent is when you, it's all of them, when you use it without the coconut oil. Like, oh, if you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's super strong out of the bottle. So if maybe you had some cotton balls with just the essential oils on there, it is like overpowering, I mean, to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, um, I don't know, calibrating, is that the word I'm looking for? As far as like coconut oil or almond oil um, to the amount of whatever smell it is. Um, bergamot's pretty strong. Um, but do you, have you found any that work better? Trying to think. I think peppermint works pretty good. Peppermint's good. I like Um, orange. But you know, I think that this is one of those things like in the beginning, when we're trying to create that safety, you know, get out all the essential oils and have them smell which one's the best for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be very honest. I used to always have essential oils going in my office. Um, And then um, it happened actually on telehealth, but I had a um, client that was triggered by a specific scent. Mm -hmm. And so I have been very mindful since then not to be, having something going because it goes back to, I don't know what's triggering or not. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we came back to our offices, um, oh gosh, was it the summer of last year? Yeah. Summer of 2021. Right. Um, I, um, bought camphor c-a-m-p-h-o-r and it is like a little waxy disc it is one of the ingredients that you can find in Vicks vapor rub and yeah (laughs) and it is a very interesting smell like I love it like I wish I could make a body spray out of it but not everybody does you know I'm just saying what I like but um I put that on my air purifier because it is antiviral. It is antibacterial. Yeah. It's cleansing the air. And they actually use it a lot over in India in their temples. Oh, Oh, okay. As a cleansing of the space. And so, you know, I try to find ways to keep myself safe and keep other people safe when they come in my space from viruses, you know, bacteria. And so um, when I... When clients first came in, you know, I'd say, you know, I have camphor, it's on my air purifier and it's just tell them what it does. And I said, if it's too strong or it is displeasing, let me know and I will turn it off. And, and what's been really interesting is that every single client has loved that smell. Huh. And <laughs> it does, it helps it, it, not to the extent of like eucalyptus, to open up your sinuses and stuff, but they come in and they're like, I can actually breathe better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I need to be getting some of this stuff for my office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll show you. I bought it off of Amazon. That's what it is. And it came from India. Oh, wow. Why is there a deer? Is it a deer? Do they people use it for deer? Or is no. that just a brand name? It's just a brand, I believe. Okay. It's made in India. And it doesn't melt. It's not like a wax that can melt because I tried that and it never did. And I was like, why isn't it smelting? But anyway, I digress. But the smell, um, I had one client, and this was a couple of months ago, and I'm just now making the connection. <laughs> they said, when I come in your office and I smell that smell, it, it makes me feel safe. And I like it. And I, I notice I, I don't zone out as much as I used to. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, we'll keep it going. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But it's a very distinct smell. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I when think- I first put it on my air purifier, you could smell it down the hall. Yeah. Yeah. I've smelled it before. Yeah. But other than that, they use as kids. Yeah. <laughs> all, those, all those things. It's like they went from homeopathic to medicine. Yeah. I think that I have utilized peppermint before when somebody was disassociating in my office because it is strong, but it's also a pleasing smell. And I had known ahead of time because I usually will bring out the essential oils and talk about lavender and peppermint helps with headaches and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I like peppermint. Um, there is a uh, there's another essential oil that's called Deep Breathe, and it's got wintergreen and eucalyptus in it. 
Mm-hmm. I, like I, That's I, I think sometimes the ability maybe to take in more air mm-hmm. helps with the breath to, to recenter the body as a grounding, you know, technique. Um, trying to think of anything else. I did go out and I bought, I have atomic candy in my office, but I also bought, I, I didn't know they made these, but I'm not a big candy person, but Jolly Ranchers has cinnamon fire. Mm, those are good. Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, you know, it's a spicy, kids call it spicy yeah. candy. So I've got that here always. Those are good things to have. That's for sure. Yeah. Anybody experience with a client and disassociation, any sounds that bring them back that they really enjoy that helps them to stay embodied and in the moment? I haven't, but I, you know, I haven't thought about that. I would, it made me think of like um, uh, the, the, uh, oh, I'm talking about. Oh, the singing bowl? The singing bowl. Yeah, like that could have been something mm-hmm. that I could used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients that like music and that keeps them grounded, but I've not had any specifically use music. Well, I mean, I do have, I have had one client that when they felt like it was getting all too much and might start disassociating or using other coping skills, we had a playlist that uh, we created. And so, you know, it would be kind of a cue that he would, that this person would give me, and then I would start playing off the playlist. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even have that low playing while you talk. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we have music in the background everywhere we go, just about. So, yeah. I try to always offer music. Like, you know, like there's like, there's no rules with what we're going to do in therapy. Like if you want to play music off of your phone while we're talking, that helps them go for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely uh, one of those, definitely meeting somebody right where they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how many, I mean, I used to do that a lot, just have the TV on and I'll be doing other things. I wonder if that is a grounding mm-hmm. that you don't realize you're doing because a lot of the techniques that I've found out, people say, I do that. And I'm like, how did you know to do that? It's like, your body just knows. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things was rubbing the back of the neck as far as calming the nervous system down. And a lot of people just put their hands, they do that all the time, just by happenstance. That's, that's how they do or rubbing their ears or, um, so even our bodies can find ways and we don't even know what it's doing. I just wonder if that music, it has a purpose that, that we like the music being on, even though we're not necessarily listening to it, um, or the TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really hadn't thought of that. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, basically, we're scientists because this, <laughs> this, um, this field is not, is not that old. Compared no. to what, <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not. We've got some good people out there figuring yeah. it out. 
we are some of those good people too. Yes, we are. Huh. I'm wondering about like vision, you know, as one of the senses. I wonder how that could be used to help with disassociation if you're in that moment. Well, some people can have a picture of their calm space. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, especially people who can't imagine. Some people can't imagine a calm space. So having a picture of that calm space, having a picture of <laughs> a safe person um, in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know being outside helps me. I love just looking at the birds, looking at the everything, trees, grass. There was a, and I did this for a calming to help me feel calm and connected. I didn't necessarily do it for disassociation, but I found a TikTok creator that lives out in Colorado and they have a bunch of cameras up on their property. Oh and, yeah. And the bears come up and drink at night or play in the water, the out. And so you see, and all it is are these animals and she puts it to some music and they're like between a minute to three minute long video. But that could be another way oh, to, yeah. you know, a video um, that um, can ground you with the visual and if it has music attached yeah. to it too. Instead of like, I think um, a movie, sometimes we can zone out in a movie. Yeah. So you don't want it to be, I think, too long. Um. This is interesting that you said the people who could visualize in a calm space crystal. Mm-hmm. So over the summer last year, I learned a new word called aphantasia. Ooh. And boy, this was interesting. So aphantasia is a phenomenon in which people are unable to visualize imagery. Yeah. And not only that, but they cannot recall memories visually. Yeah. And my husband has this. And so I asked him, I said, so when you think about our wedding day, which was a very beautiful thing for both of us, right? Mm -hmm. A very nice, safe thing. I said, do you remember what I was wearing? Mm -hmm. He said, no. I said, if you close your eyes, and go back to the moment where we first saw each other around the corner and cousin Rick took the picture. What do you see? And he said, and he closed, he's, I can't see anything. He said, I know you had a white dress on because people wear white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that got me to thinking like for EMDR, part of EMDR is being able to visualize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they haven't really done any research with this, but I do wonder if there's some aspects of trauma Mm. that have created this phenomenon. Yeah. To not be able to visualize a memory. Yeah, I never thought about that, that it could be trauma. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it says when you are blind in your mind, that's what it's, Mm. which for EMDR, we, we rely a lot on visual. Yeah, and imaginary visual. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's a spectrum, just like everything. I cite um, what we can do in our brain and what we can't. Yeah, there's so much we don't know. It, it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it is. And do we ask our clients that? And are they, do they feel safe in saying, I don't see anything. And when they do not, when they don't see anything, is that dissociation or is that because they just can't? Well, you know, I started screening now after I learned about that. Like I'll ask people, I'll say, can I want you to think of a time in your life that was like a really memorable and fun moment. I was like a holiday, a special birthday, something, a wedding, divorce, whatever, you know, was going to be memorable for you. And I want you to close your eyes and can you visually describe what that looked like? And most, and so far, I'm like, oh yeah, like I was wearing these blue jeans and I had to, and I was like, okay, we don't have to, we're good. We can move forward. Yeah. But I did, I started screening for that just by just asking, because if not, then I need to know that. So I can, wow, come up with something creative. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not as image. My brain doesn't see things like my husband. We've mm-hmm. discussed, it's like, golly, you've got to. You can see movies in your head. I'm like, I can't. It's not that I clear. Yeah, yeah, it's not that clear for me. It's I can see objects uh, and I can see a memory, but it's not like a movie. It's very much spotty. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it makes them way more creative too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But it is, it's just like, just I think us going into this, this new uncharted territory of disassociation and Mm -hmm. you know just grappling with ourselves of like well what is this and how how does this fit in my life and then how does it fit my profession and how do I explain it it's I think it's so hard to explain Mm -hmm. to help people to yeah I think it's hard to see unless you know what to look for um I mean, being a therapist, I, I didn't know what to look for at times. And I think that I missed it. Um, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Heck but yeah. we educated on what to look for. Most of that stuff's come since we've been therapists. This is, I mean, it wasn't even talked about. Who knows? I mean, I got my degree 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. everything in therapy has changed from 20 years ago. Everything. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I can't wait to see what the next 20 years. Absolutely. At least they're trying to do therapy techniques that aren't as traumatizing to the client. And that's, I feel like the goal is to get to where you can process this stuff and have the least amount of pains associated. Um, Because that's what we deserve. We've already been through the pain. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think, is there anything else we can give our audience? Or do you think we've hit the highlights about things you can do when you, I mean, obviously this goes without saying, but I'll go ahead and say it. Um, Find yourself a really good therapist. Mm -hmm. Like if you're losing time or you feel like somebody else is in your body or um, you may be able to be in two different realities at the same time, all that stuff may sound nuts, but it's not. And you don't know that because you're not telling people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, get a therapist, a good therapist to help you with that. Yeah. They're out there. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, y'all, I so appreciate you taking the time today to join me on the podcast as always. I love it when we get together and just talk it out and 
switch ideas and creativity. Oh, yeah. Me too. You got to have this. <laughs> yes, it takes all of us. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for being with us today and to all of the listeners out there, whether you're in India or Thailand or in Montana, because we have mm-hmm. some in Montana, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say thank you for tuning in and uh, change the world tomorrow by listening today. See you guys later. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026 awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwild.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.